This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Dr. Lyon Greenberg of New Scotland. Raised in Baltimore, when he was 16, he would drive his father, a general practitioner, to make house calls. After graduating from Dartmouth College and medical school at Johns Hopkins, he served as a flight surgeon in the Air Force. He and his wife, Marsha, bought a farm in New Scotland where they raised four children. At age 90, he feels good about his life. I would like to start at the very beginning of your life. I would like to hear where and when you were born, what your family was like. We'll just start at the beginning. So... Tell us where you were born. Very simple. I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, on the 7th of January, 1933. My father was a physician as well, uh, having gone to McGill. And uh, all his life, he provided for the family as a general practitioner. Oh, I hadn't realized that you were following in your father's footsteps and being a doctor. So what was the rest of your family? Tell us a little about your mother, and did you have siblings growing up? Yes. Uh, My mother's family was the Miller family, which is one of the oldest original Jewish families in Montreal, Uh, going back to, uh, I I think, my the first relative, a great grandfather came in 1883 uh, to Montreal. It was a very small community then. Oh, my goodness. And tell us about your siblings. I said, I said, in, uh, in 1933, I meant they came in, in uh, 1783. No, 1883. 1883. Right. That, that makes more sense. Thanks, Marsha. So um, tell us about your siblings. Well, I have uh, a, a brother um, who, although um, uh, he wouldn't go to Dartmouth, he went to Penn, uh, University of Pennsylvania. He's an architect. He's still alive, but he's uh, uh, disabled. He lives in Toronto. He lives in in Toronto. Oh, an architect. Isn't that interesting? So just describe what your family life was like growing up. What kind of things did you like to do as a boy? Well, we were able to do most anything. And we traveled a lot. My parents traveled a lot, particularly back and forth between Baltimore and Montreal, often to just be family. My mother was one of 11 children, and my father was one of 11. So you could imagine the number of relatives I had. I was in the middle someplace. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? Each of your parents had... Ten siblings. That is a big family. So 
I'm guessing you were a very good student as a child. Is that true? Uh, you'd have to ask Marsha McDonald. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was a very good student. <laughs> and Marsha McDonald is standing by in the background. That, of course, is his wife. So um, what happened when you graduated from high school? What was your first step out on your own? Well, I graduated from, from, from elementary school. Oh, well, let's hear that, too. Where, where did you go to high school? Uh, from elementary school, uh, I went to Baltimore City College, which is a public high school uh, for somewhat advanced Oh, wow. Baltimore City College is actually a public high school. Does it- it's a public high school, uh, which some very prominent Americans have all come. Okay. And for men. It was, it was an all-male school. An all-male school. And was it the kind of school where you wore a uniform and it was quite formal? The kind of... Uh, you know, the school's... In Baltimore in those days, not entirely, but mostly separated into male and female. And did you have a favorite subject as a high school student? Did you have something you were passionate about studying? Well, I did, I did, I think, particularly well in science. Uh, uh, probably came from my parents, so. Yeah, well, with a father as a doctor, I would think so. Um, so then once you graduated from high school, from Baltimore City College, where did you go from there? Well, I'm almost about Uncle Bernard. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you where I went from there. I went where my mother picked the college, and I never saw it to the day they dropped me off as a freshman. And I wonder what that college was. Uh, that college uh, was uh, known to your father by the name of Dartmouth. And your, mo- your mother picked it out for you. Isn't that interesting? Do you know why she picked it? My mother totally picked the college. But uh, do you know I, what made her? I heard of Harvard and Yale and things like that. I had barely heard of Dartmouth, but she picked it for a good reason. And do you know what the reason was? Do you know why she chose that? Yes, I, I, I know. Back in the late 19. 19- or, or, I'm sorry, early 1950s or so, most of the Ivy League schools, particularly Dartmouth, was increasing the Jew, Jew, Jewish population far beyond what they used to have. Uh, because, and the reason supposedly was they wanted to improve academics. Oh, and so oh, <laughs> you were. Isn't that, that to be a true story? Oh, isn't that interesting? So, when you got to Dartmouth, were you aware of other Jewish students? Were you part of a? a oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, our class uh, by that time that year had reached about about fourteen percent Jewish. Oh my gosh! Isn't that interesting? Back in the eighteen hundreds, there were three or four in a class. 
So I should have asked about that during your upbringing as a childhood in Baltimore. How important was religion to your family? Was the... Uh, when you were growing up, I didn't ask about religion. You know, in Baltimore, with as you were a boy growing up, how important was your Jewish religion? How did well, well, we, we, my, my parish, what I call, uh, we belonged to an Orthodox congregation. Mm-hmm. But basically, they they were conservative. Uh, my mother and father were conservative and very much in tune with each other. That's a good thing to have your parents in tune with each other. And I heard Marcia say in the background to talk about Uncle Bernard. So before we hear more about Dartmouth, could you tell me about Uncle Bernard? Well, Uncle Bernard uh, was married and had no children, was my father and mother's best friend, and clearly, for an adopted uncle, unbelievable. He, he helped put me through schools I wanted to go or send me on trips or... or, or, or uh, um, he just... And he had a small gentleman farm, okay? Uh, during the week, he ran a woman's pet shop, had a small gentleman farm, and that's where I learned the love of farming. Ah, I was going to ask about that later, because here you had a city upbringing in Baltimore, and you ended up in a rural setting. That is good to know. But let's go back to Dartmouth. Tell us about your years there. I talk about what? Dartmouth, your Dartmouth years, your years in Hanover. Obviously, how come you know Hanover so well? (laughs) I won't tell. Um, um, That turned out to be probably the most influential thing that ever happened in my life was to go to Dartmouth. And how so? Why Why was it so important to you? It opened many doors, okay? Um, when I applied to medical school, I applied to a class of 85 at a small school called Johns Hopkins. And uh, at the end of the interview, they said to me, Lion, you're in. And I said to myself, boy, the Dartmouth reputation preceded me. Well, that <laughs> Johns Hopkins has quite a reputation itself. So what made it's, you... By the way, it's supposedly number one all around medical school in the United States. Yeah. Again. So what made you decide to be a doctor? You watched your father, no doubt, work very long hours as a general practitioner. What what made you decide you wanted to be a doctor? When I became 16 or 17, he was so tired making night calls, and I, I used to drive them. Uh, while well, well, he'd go in the house, and in those days he made a lot of house calls. 
And so you, as a 16 or 17-year-old, were his chauffeur. You got kind of a, a look at what the life was like. I got to drive Wow. And that didn't deter you. That inspired you. What What was it about practicing medicine? Because I'm assuming it's, it's well, a hard it, it, profession. A, a natural, because amongst that great number of family, um, one uh, first cousin once removed was dean of medicine at McGill. Uh, another one was vice chancellor of McGill. I mean, there were some real academics in the family. So uh, it was expected that you that you do well academically. And you did not, you did not fail expectations. So what made you decide to be ear, nose, throat, an ENT? How did you end up taking that? Very interested. I always wanted to be a pediatrician. Always wanted to be a pediatrician. And so when wrote, in those days, we rotated the first year, which was a good practice, allowed you to see various fields. And um, they were shorthanded. Uh, and it, nobody covered residents to cover ear, nose, and throat. Um, and I had already had a little bit as a pediatric resident. And they loved me in. Uh, and here I was the throat, and I said, "Look, here I can do all the pediatrics I want, and also do surgery." Oh, isn't that interesting? So you switch your direction of being someone that cared for children to someone that could care for children and do surgery and do adults, and specializing in ear, nose, throat. Well, um. Tell me somewhere in your life. I know you were a pilot. How how did you? Uh, when did no, that? Let's no, 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 go back a little bit. Okay. We, we get there. Um, so I got into Hopkins Medical School. Um, Hopkins is a sort of school then that if you got in, you had to work hard to flunk yourself out. So. <laughs> That's the story of, uh, of Hopkins. Um, then uh, I applied, you want to go on to residency, which leads up to the Air Force. I, I, I applied to, to McGill for my residency, which is my mother and father's college, okay? Uh, got in easily. And got the more pediatric ear nose and throat to the point um, that when the American Academy of Pediatric Nose and Ear Nose and Throat was established, seven of us worldwide, including several in Canada, and three of us here, seven of us established that 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 very important uh, society has dominated the people now, but I, I was on the founding committee. Oh my goodness! But I'm still curious to hear how becoming a pilot entered into your life. 
well, uh, uh, that fitted very well. So I, I enlisted in the Air Force by a year of residency, two years, because they were starting to draft doctors. If the doctor had completed his medical education, he was eligible to be drafted. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to be drafted, I want to be drafted where I want. I'm going to join the Air Force because the Air Force only has large bases. And therefore, the Air Force, each Air Force base has its own, generally its own hospital. And that was a very smart play. So when I got in, the Air Force saw I had some ear, nose, and throat. They sent me to the School of Aerospace Medicine in San Antonio. And uh, there I became a flight surgeon. Uh, those were the doctors that were in charge of, of squadrons of pilots either fighter pilots or bomber pilots. And uh, I got to be chief flight surgeon at several bases um, and did a lot of flying, including I've been supersonic any number of times. Uh, I've been the back of refueling planes, refueling B-52 bombers, uh, a, a, a lot of things you wouldn't have expected out of me, but I loved every minute of it. But you were not a pilot. I was not a pilot. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Marcia. That was my that was my mistake. Yeah, but being in the Air Force as an ENT well, doctor, the flight surgeon was supposed to have a hundred hours flying time in the operational aircraft of their unit. So I would be in, in two seat fighters, okay, in order to get, you know, 50, 60 hours flying time in and uh, loved it. Oh, interesting. Well, before our time disappears, I need to get to the personal side of your life. How did you and Marsha meet each other? How did you get together? Marsha McDonald Greenberg got together for me through the Air Force uh, because um, a couple of fighter pilots are very close to uh, their wife knew that I was single and they, uh, they apparently knew through friends that met Marsha that she was single at Mount Holyoke College and the rest is history. My uh, music teacher in high school had a sister married to an Air Force guy and they fixed me up with Lion on a blind day. Oh, wow. And I'm going to say it with no embarrassment. I married the best possible person in this world that I could have married, period. Oh, that just gives me goosebumps. That's wonderful. I love it. A blind date that turned into happily ever after. So, Especially from Dartmouth. Look at how many got divorced. Yeah, well, that's true anywhere. But tell us how it is you ended up settling in New Scotland. What what brought you here? Martha McDonald Greenberg. 
we got married. We were supposed to go to Burlington as assistant chief. And uh, the chief called me and said, Lion, the position is yours, but I'm getting some flack from not some non-Jewish doctors here, and they don't want you here. Ah, oh, wait, wait. Uh, Anti-Semitism is why you didn't go to Burlington? Yeah, very clearly. You went on and said, Lion, I picked you as my assistant chief. You come, you were more than welcome. So I discussed it with Marcia. And we discussed, you know, Marcia said, what about Albany, New York? My mother and mother-in-law went to college together, and and, and that was Dr. Ethel Sonat in Albany, a very well-known pediatrician, who, who was my mother-in-law's roommate. So, unbeknownst to me, they had a great big party set up for me about it, 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 10 days after we decided to look, and it was a blowout. Oh, wow. Oh, isn't that interesting? So, Albany, New York was welcoming, and you have had a very successful career, but how is it you became rural residents. You know, you're not in the city, you're in the countryside. When I got here, I came on staff at Albany Med as associate professor of surgery here in Ozotone. came on staff as associate professor when I arrived here, and within four years I was full professor. Well, that's quite a meteoric rise in four years. But how is it you didn't settle in the city. What, you know, you're raised in Baltimore. Bernard in the country. And, and, and where we are is really only two and a half miles from the already city limits. But yeah, that's why I wanted him to mention Uncle Bernard, because Uncle Bernard's um, original um, showing him how to farm had an awful lot to do with his interest in a rural place to live. Yeah, and Uncle Bernard's original 1947 tractor is in my barn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, just for people that aren't familiar with where you live, just describe Crumkill Road for us. Just kind of give us a a picture of of where you live. Crumkill Road, when we moved on it, was a tarred, oiled country road with no traffic on it. Uh, I I think you know that's changed. And it has a significant amount of traffic. But when we went to build the house on the road, we couldn't hit any water. It it, 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 it was well water. So we moved the house back about a, a, a good half mile off the road. So it's totally in the country that there was water here. So, and it's just as that's why the house is there because this is where the water was. Well, it turned out to be a good thing. It's just such a lovely setting and such a beautiful house. So, how did you get into farming? I guess, as Marcia said, it was the influence of 
Uncle Bernard, but what what was it about it that appealed to you? Why why did you? Well, I, I love the physical part of it and the machinery part of it. And, and as you know, Adam is into it big time. Yes. Um, I, 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 my son Adam, it, 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 you know, <laughs> I, 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 I loved it in newspaper yesterday how they, they, they played him up to be an ultra conservative, <laughs> but in reality, they, they, they're ultra, ultra, ultra. Uh, 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 liberal. Yes. Well, I should just let our listeners know Adam is your second child. You have Josh, who's a lawyer, right, in Boston. Adam, who lives and farms in the property right next to yours and is married to Kate Cohen, who our longtime readers might remember because she started her journalism career here right out of Dartmouth with Adam, but now is writing for the Washington Post. And then you have Ben and you have Elizabeth. So tell us about what it was like raising a family of four children in this idyllic setting. Um, well, Lion Greenberg is a very persistent individual who doesn't take no. So for four or five years, he begged Marsha McDonald, Marsha, you need a girl. You need a girl. You need a girl. Now, it would have never have occurred to me that we could have ever got anything but a girl. <laughs> That's well, you got you got your girl, and <laughs> what a girl she is. So, what was it like raising the children um, in that setting? Is it is everybody interested in farming, or was it just Adam, or how did that work? No, I, I, Adam loves to farm, as you know. Uh, ben. Uh, is on a piece of property just up the road, Bullock Road, and is very close to it. And and the house he lives with, and the person he lives with, he, he does lots of growing of vegetables and things. He, he Ben is a has a fabulous green thumb, and he's a wonderful gardener. Ben is a wonderful gardener, has a good wonderful green thumb too. And. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I just wondered if that was because did they do like uh, <laughs> farm type things as they were growing up or was it just something that developed in, in their adulthood? Well, I, I, they, they were unpaid labor. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. I like that. They were unpaid labor. And, and of course, as things went on here, I mean... Today, in Albany, we could not have picked a better property, period. Yeah, it's stunning. It's just stunning. So our time has just flown by. I don't know if you have some closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with. Um, any major things that we haven't hit on? I know there's so much that we didn't, but just however you would like to end this well, that Albany obviously has changed in the nearly 60 years. We'll be here 60 years uh, uh, this, this winter. 
it's changed and it's become a lot more dynamic city with a lot more available than it was available 60 years ago. If you want heavier academics, you could get it, okay? Uh, you want more rural living, you could get it. Uh, a very, very interesting area. Um, and, and when it comes to government, we've got it here. Uh, so a very interesting modern-sized city to live in.